give me a second to wash the taste of those styrofoam crackers out. <laughs> I know they're convenient, but they are terrible. <laughs> well, how's everybody doing on this first day of 2023? You guys ready to open the word this morning? You know, as I was preparing, um, well, three weeks ago, I guess it was now, for our Christmas Eve service, as I was making, preparing the message, I, I had allotted myself, you know, 15 to 20 minutes at the most. You know, we're going to keep it short. People can get home on that night. And as I finished, I was like, there's no way that this is anywhere near 15 minutes. And that's good because we weren't preaching it on Christmas Eve. We were preaching it on January 1st. So we got a little bit more time this morning than we did there. And when we left on uh, January 8, or December 18th, we were talking about the spirit of faith and how in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said that we have the same spirit of faith and as we have believed, therefore we speak. And we were talking about how we need to have our words aligned up with our belief and not with our feelings. You know, feelings are not a bad thing. We need to say that because some people treat them as though, you know, push them away, push them away. Don't crack a smile. Don't show your anger. No, the, the Bible says be angry and sin not. There's a place for it. There's a place for a righteous indignation. There's place for happiness. There's place for joy. But depending on the situation you're in, your emotions can either enhance the situation or detract from it. So depending on which one you let, let rule the day, um, it can either enhance it or detract it. And so Paul said, we need to have our words lined up with our beliefs and what the promise has said about us, what the word of God has spoken about us. And don't get up, don't let our whines take over the day when our belief and our faith should be the one speaking. Yes. And so we were talking about the spirit of faith, and as we brought that message to a close, we began to talk about the importance of the season that we're in to be led by the Holy Spirit about where we should be going and where we should not be going, and not to override that check on the inside when it's like, eh, something's not right. If something's not right, take a step back. Come on, the Holy Spirit knows how to move you around and get you to where you need to be. And, and if you feel like you haven't been being led by the Holy Spirit, take some time. Set some time aside and focus on learning to, to focus on what he has spoken and what he's speaking on the inside. Sometimes we're just too busy to miss what he's actually saying. Or we get in too much of a rush and, and we make uh, decisions and go places that we never should have gone and he knows how to protect us. He knows how to keep us in everything that we do. You know, after we were preaching on December 18th, I was thinking about, you know, some stories of, of Mimi and Papa here, Pastor Robin and Wendy, of just different situations in their life where I remember you guys were telling us that you, you had borrowed, a, went on a vacation, and you had borrowed a brand new car from a friend of theirs. And as they were going down the road, all of a sudden the car just stopped. Stopped working. Shut off. Wouldn't work at all. Click, 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 click. You know, pop the hood, we're checking through it, and there was nothing mechanically wrong, just it wouldn't work. And it didn't, it just, they were sort of sitting on the side of the road, and it was after about, what, 20 minutes, you decided to try it again, and it fired up, and nothing was wrong. It went on down the road, and about 20 minutes down the road, there was a big accident. And it was like the Holy Spirit was protecting them from that. And of course, in the moments you get in a big rush, like, oh, we're trying to get down the road, this is so inconvenient. Sometimes the things that are inconvenient to you are beneficial to you down the road. 
And so we need to not override the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I come back to that this morning, because as we look at the Christmas story, it is filled with people being led by the Holy Spirit, by God sending angels to direct them to where they needed to be, when they needed to be, because he knows what perfect timing is. And so if you'd like to join me over in Matthew chapter 1, and in verse 18, we're going to look a bit through the Christmas story there. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, this reading in Matthew leaves out all the other aspects that Luke brings in, where the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Blessed and highly favored are you among women. You know, you're, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to have a child, and you're going to call his name Jesus. And as, as the angel delivered those words to her, Mary said, Okay, how is that going to happen? And the angel answered her questions. And when we're, sometimes when we, we're hearing things from God where it's like, I just don't understand, it's okay to ask, how? What would you have me to do? When should I do that? Because God is not afraid of your questions. Now, it's very different than we see when Z the angel appeared to Zechariah and said, your, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. He went, ha, 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 how is that going to happen? It was a completely different response. His was a response of unbelief. Mary's was a response of clarification. And so we need to put ourselves in the same category like Mary. If you don't understand, say, okay, God, what should I do? But stay in belief that his word will come to pass. You know, it's just like back when God told, uh, came to Abraham and Sarah, and he said, you're going to have a child. Sarah was in the other room, and she began to laugh, and like, that's never going to happen. And God said, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. He sees your heart, and he knows every aspect about you. He knows what you do and what you don't do. Our hearts should be aligned in faith with his. God has spoken. It is true, and I don't care how many mountains have to move for it to happen. They will move because his word does not return unto him void. And so the, his, after his mo mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, I have to say this probably wouldn't be my response. <laughs> and that's why when we talk about emotions, they can either enhance the situation or detract from it. And most people would have been so upset, like, how you've been messing around, woman. Get out. But this, there's a key of this verse says that he was a just man. And that word in, on, in its basic form means righteous, and it's the root word for righteousness, but it means to observe divine laws. And there's a difference between observing divine laws and observing religious laws, because religious laws demanded she be put to death. And so I'm glad that Joseph was a man who observed divine laws over religious laws because they're not always the same thing. And so while he was a just man, he didn't want to make a public example of her, and he was minded to put her away secretly, 
But while he thought about these things, and thank God, Joseph didn't follow his emotions, and he took time to think about it. Because as we read in Proverbs 29 on the 18th, it says that a, a fool is the one who just expresses his anger, but a wise man keeps it in control or in check. And so he could have blown things out of proportion and ended the story right there, but he stopped and he thought about the things. Man, a few thoughts and using your brain for a minute can actually be beneficial to you. And so the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And if we think about what James said, James said this, and I think it, it falls into what, what Joseph did here. In James 1.19, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, or swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let's say that again. The wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And so Joseph, he thought about it, and the angel showed up and began to talk to him and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Everyone say fulfilled. fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, and we can go on in a second to what he said, but everything that we see in the story of Jesus here is a fulfillment of something he spoke ahead of time. Come on. Everything that he is in the story is the fulfillment that he had spoken ahead of time. Why do we say that? Because we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, and he'll speak things to you ahead of time, and you'll see it fulfilled on the other side when you choose to walk it out. And he's not asking you to walk out any other way than what he even did through his own birth. He spoke it and said, this is how it's going to be. The prophet heard from God and said, there's a baby coming. You're going to call his name Jesus, and he's going to save his people from their sins. And what did he do? He showed up as a baby. He grew up into a man, and he saved his people from their sins. For what God has spoken shall come to pass. And what God has spoken for you, it shall come to pass if you hold on and you don't lose heart and you walk it through to fulfillment. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And I'm so glad that it's God with us and not God far from us. Because that's how most of religion treats God. He's somewhere all the way, and we have to beg him to come. No, God is with us. He is in you when you received him. He came and made his home in you, and he's going to stay there for all eternity. You don't have to worry about ever being separated from God. When you received him into your life, he made you one with him, and he didn't plan on separating it. Because just like when God brings a man and a woman together, he said, let no one try to divide them. He's not going to try to divide you and him either. He is God with us. In every situation, including the one you're walking through right now. 
Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. We often make a big deal about the hearing side. That is so hard to hear. Actually, it's not. It's easy to hear. I think the obedience side of it is where most people mess it up. Because obedience is not always convenient. Come on. I don't want to step on your toads. But obedience is not always convenient. There are things that God will tell you that aren't going to line up with the plan that you thought for your life and the direction of what you wanted to do. But obedience is better than sacrifice. It is better to walk out what he's doing because it says that he is who is willing and obedient eats the good of the land. And so Joseph, being aroused from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He was told to do something, and he did it. And sometimes it's between hearing and doing where the biggest battles take place. And I remember someone, I was preaching on the Holy Spirit probably about 10 years ago, and as I was talking about these things about being obedient, someone came up to me afterwards, and they said to me, he's like, you know, the, the hearing part's easy. It's the being obedient I have to have a hard time with. Like even yesterday, I was out on my four-wheeler. We were going through the snow, and I had that leading on the inside. I just felt I need to slow down. I'm going too fast. And he's like, I didn't listen, and I wrapped my four-wheeler around a tree, and now it's busted all up. And the obedience side of it is knowing to slow down is one thing. Slowing down is another. Knowing not to go somewhere is one thing. Doing it is another. Knowing to go talk to that person is one thing. Doing it is another. And to make ourselves available to God to say, God, I'm yours to command. Where would you have me to do? What would you have me to be doing? I'm willing. I will do it. I will be obedient to you. And that's where miracles happen. Because every miracle in the Bible started with him telling someone to do something and them doing it. And then we go, oh, that's awesome. There's no miracles recorded where he didn't say something, and the person didn't do it, and then something happened. No, they all came because someone was obedient to the word and said, I believe, Lord, I'll do it. Amen? And so he took to him his wife, and he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Why did he call his name Jesus? Because that's what he was told to do. And I, that's why I like the story of Zacharias, because they told him to call him John, with his baby, John. And when it came time the baby was born, they wanted to call him something else. And, she, and Elizabeth said, no, his name's John. And they're like, why? There's no Johns in your family. Why would you go do that? Why would you go work that job? Why would you move to that city? Why would you? You're going to hear a lot of whys in your life. But the why you do something is because the Lord told me to do it. This is the direction he asked me to go, and I'm going to do it. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And we can make a lot of assumptions on who they were and why they came. The word used here for wise men is magi, which we can assume they most likely 
came from Persia and that they were part of the astrologers and astronomers and a group there. But the why they came and why they were looking is another story altogether. They, you know that not all the Jews came back from exile? And do you know who, under the kingdom of Babylon and under the kingdom of Persia, ended up heading up all of the wise men and the astronomers and the astrologers? Daniel. All the rest of them got killed, right? They were executing them all, right? Because nobody could interpret the dream of the king. And they were killing them all, and they showed up at Daniel's door and said, and he said, whoa, 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 I can do it. Let me talk to God. All the rest of them, they got put to the sword. And so who was the one that was doing it? It was Daniel. Daniel was a man who would search and look to see what God was doing. He would look through the writings and say, okay, it's time. It's time for Israel to go back to their land to leave. He knew the time. Seventy years has passed. He was one who looked and searched. And the Magi were people who were looking and were searching, and they saw. Come on, when you seek, you find. Come on. They were looking, and so they didn't miss the season. And you'll find Jesus' life is like that. When people sought him, they found him. Even just look at his birth when they brought him to the te temple to be dedicated. There was a woman who'd been there for a long time waiting. It had been prophesied to her that she would see the Messiah. And she was there in the temple on the day that his parents walked in with Jesus. And she's like, the day has come. This is what has been told. And I now get to see it fulfilled. And so wise men came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and all the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Let's stop for a second. So they knew about the prophecy, but they weren't looking for it to be fulfilled. Come on. Whereas the Magi didn't know about the prophecy, but they were searching, and they found. It's not about what you know. It's about what you're willing to walk out. What you're willing to stand on and say, no, God said it, I believe it, I'm going to look for it. There should be an expectation in our hearts when the Lord has spoken something to you, when you've seen something in his word about a promise he has for you, you begin to expect it. You throw open the doors and say, I'm ready to receive it. If he said increase is coming, you prepare for increase. If he's telling you to plant, you know what happens next? Harvest. And so we prepare room to put it. When God speaks to us, we prepare for it. If he said, by his stripes, you were healed, prepare for healing and anticipate it. Get up and walk it out. And so many times with people, there's zero anticipation of the promise coming to fulfillment. That means they all look to them, it was just words. And to Herod's advisors, these were just words. Because if they were a promise expected to be fulfilled, they would have been right there with the Magi. Where is he? want to see. I want to worship. And the thing is, you have to know that this part of the story takes place about two to three years after the birth. So they've missed it by quite a bit. How many things have we missed because we weren't even looking, anticipating, 
And they said it was written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. And I'm so glad he is our great shepherd. He leads us and guides us and puts us beside the still waters. He brings us into green pastures. He protects us from those things that would try to lead us astray and devour us. No, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, he is with us. He will shepherd his people. And even to this day, those who bring themselves into the flock, he will lead you to where you need to go. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Oh, guys, we've missed it. How long has this been going on? Two to three years, Herod. You missed it. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And obviously that was not true. Come and tell me so I can go and kill him. There's only one king allowed here and it's me. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. Which tells me, up until this time, they've been following a star that they don't know the destination. But when they kept pursuing, they came to the place where it was like, there. It stood over the young child. It reminds me of Abraham. When God called him out of his country, he said, come on out. I'm leading you in a country that you don't even know where it is. And so he had to start the journey not knowing where the destination was. Whew, come on. Why, why are you asking me to go here, God? doesn't matter. Go. You may not know the end destination, but the journey will be worth it. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when you come before Almighty God, that's the place to be in worship before him. And when they had opened their treasuries, they presented him gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, about three weeks ago, we were sitting in the parking lot at Dollarama. Robin was in doing some last-minute stocking stuff for things that she needed. And, and the story came on, on, the, on the radio while we were sitting there. And when they got to this part, Harrison said, why did they bring gifts? And if it's good for a kid to ask, it's good for us to ask, right? Why did they bring gifts? Why did they bring their gifts? Well, Proverbs 18.16 says this, that a man's gift will make room for him and brings him before great men. Solomon wrote that, and Solomon knew a thing or two about people wanting an audience with him. And so if you wanted to get to the head of the line to talk to Solomon, you brought a gift that brought you to the head of the line. And that's exactly what the Queen of Sheba did in 1 Kings chapter 10. It says, when the Queen of Sheba had heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She wanted to talk to him. And so she came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue or a great company. A large amount of people came with her with camels that bore spices with very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all 
that was in her heart. Her gift that she brought moved her to the front of the line. Oh, come on, I can feel this getting... You're telling me, God, i got to give God money so that he can talk to me? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Do you know what the gift is that you bring before God? The one he gave you? For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. How do you come before God? With the gift he gave you, with the talents that he's given you. You come and you lay them down at his feet and say, God, I am yours to command. You've given me this gift and I lay it at your feet. You've given these talents for me. God, how would you have me to use them? That is the gift that brings you before the Lord. When you bring yourself and you lay yourself down at his feet. Because that's in Romans eleven twenty nine. Four verses later, Paul says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says it's reasonable for you to do it. What do you present? What gift you bring? You bring yourself. You bring yourself boldly before the throne and you say, God, I am yours. How would you have me to use this gift that you've given me? Where would you have my direction to be focused, God? That is the gift. When you put that before God, he's like, here's what we do. Here's where we go. Come on. Most people don't want to hear from God because they don't want to change. They don't want to have to course correct. But a course correction is important. Because you may think you're going one way, but one degree off is a long way off over hundreds of miles. That's why pilots are constantly having to course correct, getting back on to that right heading, because just one degree off when you're crossing the ocean is an entirely different country. So we present ourselves before God. You know, Kadali is the place to be. Daily I will seek you, Lord. Daily I will come before your throne. The Bible is filled with dailies. We'll leave it there. <laughs> Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you were bought with a price, and therefore you glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's the gift we bring before him. That's the gift that brings us before the king. And so why did they bring gifts? It's because they weren't looking for an audience with an ordinary man. They were looking for an audience of a king. And so they brought a kingly gift. Gold is representative of the kingship of Jesus. Come on. Don't fall into the garbage of the world. He was a great man. He was a good teacher. Oh, he was a prophet. No, he was the king. He's the king of kings. He's the only one worthy of honor. Come on. I just watched a video yesterday of a person who professes to be a Christian saying, Oh, well, I know there, there's many different ways to get to God. No, there's one way, Jesus. The only way. Many ways to Jesus, only one way to God. He is the king. He did not come to be just a good man. He came to save his people from their sins and be the king. Daniel, that one who was watching and looking and searching, he said in Daniel 7, 13, I was watching in the night visions. And behold, one like the son of man 
coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Who sits at the head of a kingdom? A king, the king of kings, meaning he holds supremacy over all other kingdoms. And we may live in a kingdom that, as you could call it here on earth of Canada, but that kingdom is subject to the king of kings. And enshrined in the creation of this nation says that he shall have dominion from sea to sea. And if the government forgets it, you better not. If the politicians forget it, you better not. If everyone else in this nation forgets, you better not because he will still have dominion from sea to sea and that dominion will begin in me and begin in you and be spread to others. From We don't need to change the government. We don't need to overthrow them. We need to win people to Jesus. Come on. He sent us and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Come on. You want to change this nation? Change your neighbor. You want to change your nation? Change your family. Stand up and say, God, you can have kingship in me. You can have dominion and honor and glory in me. For I give you that place. I put my heart down before you. I am yours to command. Lead me. I walk in your paths. Hallelujah. And so gold was a gift for a king. And they brought him frankincense, which was representative of the deity of Jesus. He was fully God, yet fully man. And it says in him, Paul says in Colossians 2.9, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Not just a little bit of God, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. There's going to be lots of tax Attacks from principalities and powers, but they can't touch you when you're sitting with the one who's head over them all. And they brought him myrrh, which was representative of the death he was to die. And when he was on the cross after he'd given it up and said, as Pastor Robin said this morning, it is finished. He was dead there on the cross. In John 19, it says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, he asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. And so he came and he took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. And they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in strips of linen with spices, as was the custom of the Jews to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden was a new tomb in which no one yet had been laid. I've never heard anybody talk about that. It was a new tomb because it was a new death. There was a new path that was being written with the life of Jesus. No one else had died his death the way that he was going to die. No one else could bear all the sin and shame of the world and take it to the grave and kill it. It needed a new tomb because it was a new way. The first Adam's way was not enough, so a second Adam came and created a new path. And so he went into a new tomb. 
And there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. And so they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the thing that is interesting is the gifts were symbolic, but they were also for a purpose. They didn't just bring gifts for the sake of bringing gifts. The Magi had one reason for bringing them. God had another reason for having them bring them. In chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, thank God for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Being divinely warned in a dream they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. But Herod asked me to come, and he's the king of the area. We should honor that. Who cares who asks if God said go elsewhere? Now when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother to flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring to you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Why did they need the gifts? Why did God send them gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Because it was valuable. And he needed them to be supplied and fully supported on the run to Egypt. He knew what was around the corner for Jesus, and he made preparation ahead of time. Yes. Ooh, come on. Yes. He knows what is around your corner, and he's been preparing and trying to get you to go the right way so that you can be here with what you need when you need it. Because he can see ahead, and when we listen to him, so can we. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He shows us things to come. He brings things to our remembrance. He shows us how to glorify the Father, and he brings us into his paths of peace. And so they were symbolic of the death and the type of person he was, but they were for a purpose. Jesus was being prepared. He was going down to Egypt. Oh, man, you know when he came out as a carpenter? He had just spent his early years with his father in the land with the finest architecture, with the best math and the best schools. When they say he was a carpenter, he's not talking about banging tables and chairs together. He was a master craftsman is the word that's used for him. He was an architect. He's the type of guy saying, you're like, we need to build a nice building. And he's like, I know how to do that. He's not talking about banging chairs together. Don't let the enemy minimize the grandeur of Jesus. He was filled with wisdom even from a young age. And so they went off to Egypt, and they were there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt, my son, I called my son. And the thing is, when they, these prophets were writing it down, the Jews all thought it meant something. They thought it meant something different. And so they weren't looking for him. They weren't looking for that fulfillment. We need to be careful that when God tells us something, that we don't start writing things into the plan that he didn't actually say. 
well, I thought he would have done it this way. Uh, I didn't ask you what you thought. What did he say? If he said, walk this path, if that's all you know, that's okay. We need to stop trying to read more in. Well, he must be telling me to go here because then he wants to go. If he told you that, then yeah. We need to not be derailed by what we don't know. Come on. Don't be derailed by what you don't know. We go with what we do know. And if all you know is God is good, expect his goodness to show up in your life. If you know that God is merciful, expect his mercy in your life. Well, how is he going to be merciful? Who cares? He's going to be merciful. How is he going to be good? Who cares? He's going to be good. Expect his goodness. That one's for free. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord, again, appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child are dead. So he arose, and his mother, and they came into the land. Throughout this whole story, we've seen what was spoken what was promised. We've seen the leading of the Holy Spirit. You've got to see it through to the end. Don't give up in the middle. If you've started down a journey and you're like, God, I thought I would have been there by now. That's okay. He knows timing better than we know timing. Continue. 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 And that is our word for 2023 for this church. Continue. Continue in what? In what God has said. So many people are looking for God. What's your new word? Continue in what he told you to do last until you see it go through. If it's not to the end, continue. Keep going. Keep walking. 2023 is the year. Continue. Continue. Continue in what he's told you to do. If he told you to sit back, rest and heal, sit back, rest and heal. If he said get up and move, get up and move. Continue. Stop saying, God, I need something new and tell me something. No. Continue. This year is the year for you to not stop. This is not for you to sit back unless that's what he told you to do. This is the year to continue. Pastor Robin, you're up. Combriti kashana masukoto, sandika ki avruto chika, ma pakuri brondriti kisai, man chaka masuto babokucho, lima sidana mana shiki oboto kiyaka. I am that I am. I am the beginning, and I am the end. I am the first, and I am the last. And I know everything in between. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for this year that is before us. Lord, we just pray blessing and consistency upon your people, that our hearts would be open and expectant, Lord, for you to sustain us through good times and bad times, through all the seasons and walks of life. Because I am 
that I am is with us. I am that I am will, per, will make a way. I am that I am will prepare and will uh, lay up and will restore and will keep that which has been promised to you. My word is faithful. It is sure. It is steadfast and unmovable. Stand in me in this hour. Stand in the provision that I have given you. Stand in who I have made you because you are as I am. Amen. Uh, glory. Well, we're going to continue to honor the Lord with our tithes and offerings. We're going to honor him with your possessions, the first fruits of your increase. And one thing we need to continue to do is we continue to sow seed. Amen? Continue to sow seed. And um, so, you can, several ways you can give. You can. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're wordchurch.cfpet.give. Amen. And or the envelope in the, there in the case, on the whatever. Amen. God will never resist a seed. Okay? If, you, if you're willing to sow, if you're willing to be obedient to that, he will make sure that seed gets planted and that seed will, will reap a harvest. Amen? Amen. You are blessed. Happy New Year to all.